1: Hello there, welcome to the Talking City podcast, the the Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News and today we are talking champions because Manchester City are again champions of England of the Premier League secured over the weekend because Arsenal could not beat Nottingham Forest. Uh, Pep Guardiola said at Everton two more wins, it just took two more defeats for Arsenal and City didn't kick another ball so uh, we had a, a fantastic fantastically easy afternoon really i think you would say um at chelsea city versus chelsea 1-0 not a lot to report but a trophy lift again third year in a row for city in the premier league and uh, quite a lot to talk about on the back of that what it means and joining me is simon bykovsky how are you doing Simon?
0: yes very well joe how are you
1: yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the next two games that have absolutely nothing riding on them, which uh, <laughs> will be interesting, well,
0: won't it? It's funny because um, it was only when uh, we were driving to Everton that it kind of mm-hmm. struck us like, oh, City, like this might not go to the final week. And we didn't think yeah. much of it. It was just like, oh, we kind of best get sort of right in our end of th- like how they won the league stuff, just, just in case. Um, and Pep after that Goodison win, like you say, was like two more wins, two more mm-hmm. wins. Um, so it was a a stunning turn of events, really, that saw City champions without kicking a ball again. Um, you know, Arsenal losing at home to Brighton and then away to Forest, and uh, and City have City have done it. So a, a sort of a surprising, surprisingly sort of tame end to what has been a, an exciting title race.
1: Yeah, I think he said before the Chelsea game, you know, the, the championship point at Wimbledon is the hardest, but Arsenal ended up just smacking the ball into the net and and doing the job for for City. A lot a a lot's been made, hasn't it, of did Arsenal collapse? Pep said after the Chelsea game, no they didn't, they're still winners. They've they've had a fantastic season. Did Arsenal collapse or did City win the league?
0: Um <sighs> I think City won Shicky, the league more than Arsenal collapsed. Um, mm-hmm. But kind of as Guardiola said um, afterwards, like Arsenal definitely felt City were there. Once City started on that run and sort of picked up the unbeaten run and the winning run ticked into double figures and, and whatever, I I feel like Arsenal kind of seized up a bit um, and those, cause it, I mean, you know, people will say, oh, you can't compete with a team that wins 14 in a row or whatever. And, um, but, but so much of it is about momentum and when you win those games and things like that. And, you know, the last time City didn't win a game, which was, um, Nottingham Forest in the Premier League, you know, again, that was such an important day, wasn't it? Because City had won at the Emirates and, um, were top of the league albeit haven't played a game more and then Arsenal went behind twice away at Villa in the early kickoff. and you're thinking City can really kick on here and then they didn't and Arsenal were top again and Arsenal used that strength to go on and drive on for the next few months um, so you know th- there were times where had Arsenal won like one more game or won instead of drawn then City may well have been out of the title race but it didn't work out that way City kept going and Arsenal in the end kind of couldn't deal with City's strength.
1: Yeah, I think Kyle Walker said, didn't he, last week before the Real Madrid game, that there were times that they thought one more draw, one more defeat was was going to be it, and the, and they wouldn't be able to catch Arsenal. And that was there a point where Arsenal could go ten points clear, but they didn't. They lost a game, or 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 something like that. And it it was around that February period. It it was a time that City could have been cut adrift but I, I do think those the two head-to-head games City had to win and they did and we've said before it, it was a it was a meeting be- between a team who'd been there and done it and, and knew how to approach these games in City and an Arsenal side who were very very good but just didn't have that experience and Mike, Mikel Arteta had to say that they didn't freeze at the Etihad but I mean, they didn't look like a team who were, were going to go on and, and win the title. And yeah, like you say, I think when, when you've got a City team who you just know are going to win, they're going to find a way to do it. It's, it was the little things for me. It was the the games against like Fulham and, and Leeds where it looked like they could concede an equaliser late on, but they just stopped playing and took the ball in the corner and did the, the sensible things. A little bit like, you know, taking the draw away from the bow and just... Settling on that rather than doing anything silly, and I think it was a, a very, very streetwise run from City that that did it. And I mean, you, you can't talk about Arsenal s- supposedly bottling the title without talking about City's run. Although I think is it nine points in twenty-four for Arsenal? That's not going to win you a title. And Pep Guardiola talks a lot about their fifty points in the first half of the season. I don't know what their points total is in the second half, but obviously it's nowhere near. And I mean, they could be 10 points, 11 points behind City if City beat Brighton. That is, I mean, you've got to talk of it in terms of some sort of collapse. Um, but I think the context is that when City are winning, not many teams are coping with that. And City have a, a mentality, don't they, when it comes to title races where they're just not going to stop. And And they know that when they have to win... They can do it and they will do it and uh, yeah the fact that they needed two more wins themselves and, and didn't need to do it at all i think underlines just the mental sort of aura that city have built in in those title races that they, they don't need to, to to play any more games after that everton one to win i thought it was uh quite fitting now we know that the everton one was the the three points that won the title that it was uh, another ilkay gundigan brace that that won the title for city if you like, we we don't think we have talking about the the uh, the Everton game. It was uh, a little bit nervy for for time, wasn't it? But then Gundogan comes up with a fantastic goal and and takes the game away, doesn't
0: he? Yeah, and just to go back to that Arsenal game because um, you know speaking to Pep and the players over the last few months, you know they feel like they got away with one at Arsenal. Arsenal, that was like a really good game where City took the lead kind of a bit against the run of play and then Arsenal really sort of applied the pressure and that ended up in like Edison's time wasting in the first half and Saka getting the penalty and um, I think it was Nketiah he classed into. and um, you know Arsenal were on top for large points and then it was kind of City just kind of pulled away in the final uh, half an hour but Nketiah missed a number of good chances and and that was like a night for City where they were like, fantastic, right, let's keep them in check now until we can get them back at our place again. Uh, but if they'd lost that game, then they would have been six points behind, having played a game more, Arsenal could go nine clear. And then again, you know, the um, the story is maybe different. And a point that, that um, you made, the FA Cup win over Arsenal. Mm. Like huge just for morale and uh and and showing that they could beat arsenal and um you know i remember in that game leandro trossard played really well um and it was like yeah well arsenal have strengthened in january and they've got Jorginho and that looks really good business and what have City you don't know city have bombed one of the best fullbacks uh they've not got any fullbacks left they've just got this 18 year old kid and sort of a glut of centre-backs who may or may, may not stay fit. It, it felt for a long time like Arsenal were, were the stronger team and that was reflected in the table. But like you say, City are just specialists uh, and they've got that mentality and the quality to to come through. And yeah, you know, Gundogan brace last year against uh, Villa on the final day, brace against Leeds, brace against Everton. You know, I think Kyle Walker said he turns into Prime down at this time of the year mm-hmm. and... Uh, yeah, what a player! And yeah, what he's, team.
1: he's just gone to another level, hasn't he? And uh, I'm sure we have talked, spoken about, and, and will talk about his, his future. But while we're, you've, you've just jogged my memory there. While we're looking back at City's title win, uh, you mentioned the sort of turning point, if you like, and, and you covered it in in some depth in your your season review. Giao Cancelo, how did how did that change the sort of the mentality within the squad? It came at a really crucial time of the season and. Suddenly, not immediately, but suddenly City have gone on a 24-game unbeaten run and are in, they've won one competition and, and are in strong positions to win two more. How much of a turning point was Giao Cancelo's departure?
0: Yeah, I don't think Guardiola would ever admit it, but um, it it kind of seriously helped. Kind of just like to reset the squad. Um, it, it needed squad support because Cancelo was a really popular player um, and a really good player, but kind of relations between him and the manager just reached such a low point where it was felt that, you know, Cancelo's um, upset at not being in the team was kind of detracting from uh, the rest of the squad. And, you know, that, you know, you want players that want to play every game every week, but you. You also want players that do kind of accept and take it well well enough when they're not uh, in the team. And Cancelo wasn't doing that and sort of by a few accounts hasn't really done that by Munich either. Um so so losing that kind of just gave Guardiola a bit more control of the squad. Um, like I say, once it the players backed him because, you know, there was every chance that some of the players could have could have seen that and, and taken um, a bit of umbrage at it but they they didn't and it, it just allowed City to kind of move forward with this plan maybe it even accelerated the kind of John Stones uh into central midfield plan the four centre-backs that has kind of been a bedrock of of the team for the last half third of the season um and they've barely lost a game since I think they've lost yeah. one since Cancelo left which was yes. at the start of February
1: Mm. It's uh, it's been quite the run, hasn't it? And uh, I, I'm still baffled that I know City have won the league before without a left back, but without sort of anyone who has played there before this season. Nathan Ake has been a revelation. Even Manuel Akanji coming in twice um, against Real Madrid and, and looking like he's played there all his career. Um, and like you say, four centre backs, all of whom can can go forward into into midfield, maybe with the exception of. Ruben Diaz who's needed to stay back but the, the, the sort of versatility and uh, sort of the different tactics that have been used by Guardiola especially in this second half of the season you probably have to credit Cancello with leading the way in that because he was the first one to really do that inverted role into defensive midfield but now you've got Kyle Walker who was never asked or trusted to do anything other than just get up and down the wing and use his pace. You John Stones likewise was uh, tried in defensive midfield in 2018 I think it was and quickly that idea was shelved and he's just been asked to be a central defender and and win his place back in in that position. Now he's co- coming forward and and bringing it out of midfield um against Real Madrid and and bossing the show in in that respect and yeah, Manuikanje again coming into midfield from from an unfamiliar position. It's it's a it's just been a, a ridiculous thing to watch for me. It's a, it's not really any set defence, is it? It's it's just lots of players who can play across that line, fill that position, and and just know where they need to be and where the ball needs to be. And I think I, I wrote a piece myself. I think. I, I said it it feels like at the moment there are 11 Pep Guardiola's on the pitch and they could all probably play in the majority of other positions and do what Guardiola wants. I think this is the title win that is probably the most Pep-inspired one in terms of tactics and seeing his vision on the pitch and obviously helped by having a a striker who can score 52 goals. But um, I don't know what, what, what you think about that, but the for me that this has been the most sort of tactically advanced title of, of the lot so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. And, and mm-hmm. kind of like tactically advanced because it, you know, for a long time with city, they sort of, it has been thrown at Guardiola. Well, he's only got a plan A, he's only got a plan A and you're like, yeah, but what a plan A. Um And like, yeah, but he hasn't got a plan A. And, um and, this season has kind of gone against the sort of perceived Guardiola ideals of you know 11 midfielders in the team uh you know he's got four big center backs he's got a big number 9 um and you know they've they've added things to their game that you would not think um would be associated with the Guardiola team and he's still done and, and you know they're on course to achieve more uh more points than they did Last season, they're actually on course. Um, I just had a look, and if they win the final two games of the season, uh, they will have got fifty-two points in the last nineteen, which is ridiculous. Um, After
1: everything Pep said about Arsenal, didn't he? It's yeah, he yeah, you, yeah. You can't compete with that, but you can better it, can't you?
0: Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. But but I also think, and I uh, I've not mentioned this in any end of season stuff. Uh, principally because I forgot and there was so much <laughs> but like how important was uh Newcastle away back in August I think when they drew 3 all, Nathan Ake got injured and Guardiola went to his bosses and said you know what I need another centre-back my centre-back depth isn't enough Laporte's injured Ake's injured can we rely on Stones and Diaz and need another one I know you weren't planning to sign one but can we have Another one please and they signed some fella called a kanji from dortmund who dortmund weren't bothered about losing um and what a signing like 15 million i think they got that for edozy and larios going to southampton um and you know would city be where where they are without that decision back in september and without a kanji coming in and just having an unbelievable year um, it's, it's kind of another one of those moments where you think, what if? Uh, and it kind of transformed the year, I suppose.
1: I'm, I'm sure we will have a conversation of the signing of the season and all of these <laughs> player signing moments of the season are with a caveat of without Erling Haaland. But yeah, I, I think Akanji has been such a surprise. No one really batted an eyelid when he did sign. And I remember in, in pre-season they, they had one defender in in the squad. Partly because some weren't allowed in the US, some were injured, and uh, there, was, there was one game where Calvin Phillips and Luke Mbete were lining up at, at centre back, and and then City have gone to having four centre backs, five who can play in those positions, and you've got Aymeric Laporte who can barely get a game at the moment because of all the players ahead of him, and the evolution of that defensive department has been—I uh, don't think anybody could have uh, seen that coming—but you've got to credit the likes of, of Ake and Kanji for. For stepping up and taking the chance and playing such a key role, and uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I I completely agree. And uh, that 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 Newcastle draw also looks a lot better having seen what what Newcastle do uh, have, have done all season. Um, there was one more point uh, I think we should touch on before we uh, we throw to a break. There's been uh, since it was apparent that City were going to win the title. There's been quite a lot of people remembering that actually City had been charged by the Premier League. 115 times doesn't that mean that it's it's completely irrelevant there's an asterisk next to the title um they're no longer this fantastic team they're just a team that have uh, spent lots of money and maybe not spent it correctly if they are found guilty of, of those charges um you wrote a, a surprisingly balanced piece for a uh, piece <laughs> on the subject uh, but it i think it summarized what a lot of city fans are feeling about it uh, do you want to uh, Give your give your thoughts well, that, on, on those charges. I, I will
0: I will start by saying I really didn't want to write about it because yeah. uh or write so much about it, but there seemed to be so much written on the subject everywhere else, and so many sort of silly questions and things being said about it that it was just kind of an attempt to sort of get some some sense knocked into it. And even like, you know, Sky Sports discussing it on the um the idea. But but there seems to be this kind of conception that um the Premier League have this kind of um, bunch of unpaid lawyers trying to work through this case as quickly as possible and, and big mega-buck City are trying to do everything as they can to kick it down the road and stop it being heard and sort of deny that they're, they're cheats. Well, it's, it it is just nonsense. And, you know, the Premier League knew exactly what they were doing when they brought over a hundred charges against city. And um, they knew that it would take a lot of time because as somebody else said, um, uh, not as somebody else said, as uh, Kieran Maguire, football finance expert said at the time, he was like, if you've got over a hundred charges, you need time for over a hundred defenses. Like there was never any doubt that this was going to take a long time. The premier league knew what they were doing and Man City, you know, know what they're doing. Like they need to be, Man City aren't just going to go, okay, well, uh, we won't put any work into defending ourselves. But it there was, you know, the conversation at first was like, well, why do Man City need lawyers if they're innocent? And it's like, well, okay, you be <laughs> accused of something that you don't think you've done. You go on trial for murder and I'll represent you. I've not got any legal experience, but why do you need anyone? And then now it's like, you know there's a story last week saying city are contesting the charges and more shock horror and it's like what else did you think they were going to do um so you know that the charges are important i think to bring up in some conversations and when they've just won the league it's important to to say that they do have these charges over them because you know if proven those charges incredibly serious and also kind of undermine everything that has been achieved because even you know even though this season say is not in the investigation without the years before it you don't get this season so so we are looking we don't quite know how to judge it but at the same time like it doesn't need bringing up in every match report or everything because like the charges aren't the reason that Cole Palmer cast passed to Julian Alvarez. And, it, you know, it, it's a delicate balance for reporting. And you kind of think if in the next two to four years City are found guilty of these charges and we've not said anything, then we'd look really silly. But imagine if you've spent the next two to four years making the charges central to any narrative about City and then the charges aren't proven. How silly would you look? So it's it It is a balance, and um the other thing to point out is that this team and these fans are continuing to to make memories and they are making real living memories that can't be can't be taken away from them um regardless of of whether the charges come or not you know some city fans uh well you would like to think if proven, then every city fan would think and and reflect on that those decisions that have been made, but that won't change, you know, what they felt going away to Everton last week or going away to Fulham or Madrid. Um, and sort of the memories that, that, that they made, I kind of, whether it's a bad comparison or not, I likened it to, you know, like a VAR decision. So say like, you know, Sterling scores for, for city in the champions league quarter against Spurs, like the feeling in that stadium at that moment was absolutely incredible. And yeah, yeah, is taken away the results taken away but you'd never lose that memory um, and so you know while everyone pontificates about whether City are guilty or not for the next two to four years and nobody knows because there's basically no evidence ab- available to anyone um, the team and the players are, are cracking on you know making making memories with the fans.
1: And you look at the, that pitch after, after the game against Chelsea and Erling Haaland looked like a kid in a sweet shop didn't he and Rico Lewis is getting a hug off the manager and I don't think anyone on that pitch was thinking about, about those charges at all were they but um, I mean it's had no impact on the form since but City haven't lost a game since that so um, I think, I don't know if you said it in the last podcast or we've spoken about it away from the podcast but um, I, th- I think it may have spurred them on for that first game uh, but since then city haven't looked back have they and uh, as as has been pointed out it was richard masters handing out the the medals and he might be the one to in a few years time if he's still in the job i don't know but uh no like you say i think it is a co- a context point but not the context point and uh let's hopefully leave, leave it there for a little bit Um we will leave you there for a, uh, a second or two for a couple of adverts and they will come back and actually discuss uh, there was a game on on Sunday City versus Chelsea not the game we expected but we'll uh, see if there were any talking points from that in a second Hello there, welcome back to the Talking City podcast. It's Simon, it was City 1, Chelsea 0. Not really much to report, it was a much-changed City side, I think a side that reflected the fact that uh, the title had been won the night before. Uh, Three players got their first Premier League starts of the season, Uh, Calvin Phillips was one of them, uh, Cole Palmer and Sergio Gomez. There was... uh, start for Phil Foden in in sort of attacking midfield as well. Um, It was a much-changed side. Who impressed you out of those players who came in? Um,
0: Cole Palmer really impressed me. It's been a really tough year for Palmer. Um, Tough 18 months, really. He was sort of flying high last year, scored at Bruges and he sort of man of the match at at swindon in the fa cup and then he had an injury that kind of ruined that season um and he's kind of had a tough year this year he's had a few injuries but he's also not quite made the most of the opportunities he's had and and he's spoken quite honestly about that um but you know he he, to say kind of he was ahead of say james mcatee uh, and then he's had a year of sort of struggling to get minutes at City and McAtee's gone away and done so well at uh, Sheffield United. It, you always kind of think, should I have gone on loan or, you know, things like that. So um, it it was really nice for Cole to see him do so well. And also kind of, it was it was a strong Chelsea team and Palmer was playing not in his favourite position on the left. But he, he bossed his battle with... Um, with Azpilicueta which is which is really encouraging to see um I saw Ortega played well again made some good saves um and yeah well taken goal from from Alvarez so um yeah there were definitely some some positives to be to be had from the game even if there was very little on it. did anyone stick out for you
1: I think this was the first time we've really seen what Calvin Phillips could offer to a City team, he it was. I think in the past we've seen him get the ball and think, right, what do I need to do? I know what I want to do, but what does Pep want me to do? I think this was the first time he was doing that naturally, just keeping the possession, playing those little triangles, um, and then adding a, a few of his own little uh, touches to the game. A couple of nice crossfield passes that that ball to Foden, that uh, Foden plucked out of the sky and then just dropped just past the post was a, not only a very, very good chance from Foden and would have been a fantastic goal but was a, a really good uh, ball from Phillips and I, I saw Rodri getting readied t- towards the end and I was thinking I kind of hope it's not for Phillips because he deserves to play play the full game and he's not had a bad game so he deserves to, to see it out and Rodri did go into defence and, and Phillips got the 90 minutes. I think that was about 45% of F- Phillips's total Minutes in the league came against Chelsea because he's, <laughs> he's played so few minutes. Um, but after quite a few subpar performances and cameos, I think it was the first time we've seen him look like he could be a City player. I'm not saying he's he's going to be a fantastic player next season. Yeah, he's still not up to the standard of Rodri. But um, what what were your thoughts on on Phillips? Is was that his best performance in a City shirt? the very haven't been many
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah um well, it was a marked improvement on um Leicester when he came on, and I think that was like forty minutes the most hes had in the pre- Premier league previous to um to to sunday um and he was terrible, whereas yeah he was he was decent he made some you know decent balls uh, a few sort of gunndo and s chips over the top um and yeah, there was, you know, still a few teething teething issues, but you you're kinda of gonna get that as well in a side where it it's kind of all not used to playing together. You know, I'm sure if you dropped yeah. him into like the team that had beaten Real Madrid minus Rodri, then he would have looked even better. Um it it's it, it's very much jury out and City kind of have a decision to make about whether they want to keep him next next season and, and he has to kind of think about what he wants as well. Um, But it was nice for him to get that moment and take that opportunity um, sort of at the end of what has been a a very tough season for him.
1: And he will look at these next two fixtures, Brighton away, Brentford away, not a lot riding on them. uh, And the opposition don't have as much riding on on the games as they might have done at, at one stage. He will be looking and thinking... I, I'm going to get more minutes here. Um, how can you see Guardiola approaching these games? He will want to keep up the winning run. He said that if you want to win the treble, you just need to keep winning winning because if you drop, then you lose the momentum. It, it's going to be a balance, isn't it, between giving the players who will play the FA Cup final and the Champions League final, giving them a rest and also giving the likes of Palmer, and Phillips, players like that, some time to actually... Show what they can do and and what place they have in the team. Do you do you think we will see as much rotation as we did against Chelsea in the next two games?
0: Uh, no, I I don't know if um, I think we might see kind of two halves of teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think you know it, Bernardo said you know we don't want to switch off because um, then it's harder to switch back on again, and and that will very much be the be the feeling. I think there will be time to give players a few more minutes and, you know, Guardiola won't have necessarily settled on his, um, his 11 for the, for the FA Cup final and the Champions League final. You know, if me and you were to pick the team, it would be, you know, the, the Champions League team, essentially. But even then, you know, does Nathan Ake come back in ahead of Akanji uh, or ahead of Walker uh, and then, you know Guardiola always looks at the the strengths and weaknesses of an opponent and that does give kind of particularly Foden, Mares and Alvarez hope that they might sneak into the team uh for one or both of those games so I, i'd certainly expect those three to get a fair a fair bit of minutes to um to sort of show why they can do not that you know playing well at Brentford is going to put you put you into the team for a some Bull because Guardiola knows exactly what they can do by now, but you know it. It is also a case of which players are arriving at those games in the best form, and there will be opportunities for for players like that to um, to yeah show that they can kind of get the edge on the on the teammates.
1: There's a, a similarity, isn't there, to two seasons ago where City went to Brighton on a, an evening game. They'd won the Premier League, got a Guard of Honor. Champions League final coming up, and uh, you know, Giao Cancelo gets himself sent off about ten minutes in. And did he end up playing the final or not? But they're the kind uh, of no, games where no, yeah, Zinchenko well, you started. So you, you can you can lose your place if you make a mistake in these games, and also, I think Guardiola will be looking for players not to get sent off and and put their uh, teammates into a, uh, a situation where they got to do more running and and more concentrating. So. um it will be one of those where you might not be able to win your place well you will have a chance but you will certainly be able to lose your place in those finals and uh, as much as staying fit and staying uh, uninjured will be important then yeah not making any major clangers and and showing that you are still uh, there mentally will uh, will also be important and something to look out for so um yeah safe trips down to to brighton and we will uh, bring you all of the all of the coverage from brighton and brentford even if it seems like they might be not much riding on it there certainly will be within that squad um i think we will park the fixtures for now we will give you another little break and then we'll come back and we will be discussing our uh, player of the season nominations Welcome back again to the Talking City podcast now. The Manchester Evening News has four nominations for uh, the Manchester City Player of the Season. We're going to go through them now. I think we will uh, start with the obvious nomination. Uh, is there anything left to say, Sai, about Erling Haaland?
0: No, other than he's <laughs> Player of the Season. He's everyone's Player of the Season. Um, or he, Clearly not, because everything I've, I've... I've seen plenty that say he is not player of the season uh, online and on whatever, but I just think you cannot look past his, his goals and his impact. And there's a very good piece on uh, sky sports talking about, I think he's made almost more runs than anyone else without the ball. um, Which kind of shows how he's always troubling defenders, even when he doesn't have it. um, And, you know, his, his aura He's the first player in ages since I can't remember, Thierry Henry, someone like that, who just has that aura about them. Um, And he's backed it up with with his numbers and he's enhanced that aura with the numbers that he's he's produced. So I can't see any way past him. Uh, But I do think it's his four very worthy contenders.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think he will have updated this this statistic, but recently I worked out he'd, he'd made 23 points for City. Without his goal, City would be 23 points worse off. And he his tally and his records, he has done multiple things that no player has ever done before. And if that doesn't win you all of the Player of the Year awards for doing something that has never been done before, then I, d- I don't know what does. Um, but as we've said, all of these discussions will come with a, with Haaland and without Haaland category really because there have been many many players for city who have played equally important roles you would you would have to say uh, one of which uh, and is our second nomination is Nathan Aké we touched on it earlier the, the left back situation has been up and down all season Nathan Aké's been a, a constant hasn't he and he's come in from sort of maybe fifth choice last season at center back to uh, you know being one of the second or third choices centre back in the first half of the season and then emerged as the left back solution when it looked like City had made a very, very risky decision. It wasn't really a risk in the end, was it, because Nathan Ake has been so consistent?
0: Well, yeah, and you know, of all the of all the vast hundreds of millions of patterns that uh Chelsea have spent, how bad a decision was it to not want to pay an extra ten million for Nathan Ake and bump that? 40 up to 50 because he has been kind of extraordinary. Um, you know, I, I I I feel like I might have been a bit harsh on Kevin De Bruyne uh, in recent weeks because I sort of feel like he's only probably like since the back end of Feb or early March kind of played really well, um, which isn't to say that that's a bad thing, but just I would have kind of like Harland and Rodri have done it from the start of the season Um, and Grealish and Ake have kind of done it from from January onwards, whereas, you know, De Bruyne a bit less. But then I saw a De Bruyne assist from August uh, in the Newcastle game, which is absolutely insane and he has got (laughs) loads of assists. So so I would perhaps say he's unlucky to miss out on the four, but they are four really strong candidates. And and Ake has, yeah, been just, uh, Pep said it best. He said they can't play well without Ake. Um, he, he's just such a cool head. And when you think about the players that he's pocketed, like Salah and Saka, um, he's just had an unbelievable, unbelievable season. He's got better and better. And and he's gone from being kind of fourth choice centre-back to, yeah, one of the first, first names on the the team sheet. And and that, you know, back four of four centre-backs is so both so intimidating and physical, but also so good on the ball um and yeah he's he's a a lovely guy as well and it and it's always nice when um you know good good things happens to nice people
1: I think he's an example of a player who has just and a pep said this as well kept his head down, worked hard, and is finally getting the rewards and and the accolades that he deserves i'm I'm seeing all these sort of Premier League teams of the season and for me there's not been a better left back than, than Nathan Ake I know he's been injured recently but Zinchenko's had his moments up and down I, I just think Ake has considering it's, it it isn't his first position I, I can't see how he isn't uh, the best left back in, in the league this season you touched on our other two uh, nominations let's start with Rodri he is one who has to be in all these team of the years as well doesn't he because the, the fact that he has played so many games that yes Calvin Phillips hasn't been amazing but he is so integral to to how city play he he's been sort of played when maybe he shouldn't have been just because he is so important it's 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 baffling to me that he he still remains fairly underrated in the Premier League he's he's easily the best defensive midfielder i think in the league and uh, he's had a season that I didn't think it could get better than last season. He's he's just keeps rising and rising.
0: Yeah, well, I mean United fans have gone wild for Casemiro this season and um Casemiro is older and I think cost ten million more than Rodri, so um and Rodri is better. Um so it, it kinda just shows you how, how good he is. He had a bit of a wobble now I remember, back sort of the two Tottenham games he made errors in both, didn't he? And Um, just kind of didn't look himself but kind of other than that you know it's it it says something about how Phillips has failed to rise to the challenge that he hasn't played more but it says so much for Rodri that City haven't really uh, missed the fact you know to have cover for Rodri that Rodri has been so good in every game that he's played pretty much that they're on for a treble with one defensive midfielder um, he's just kind of a, a master of his, of his role. And every every week, he just ticks things over. And when you think about, you know, like the the goal against Bayern Munich, say, um, is just from nowhere. And it, it's again, it's been a while since I totted it up, but um, in terms of points won. Uh, for the team. I think Gundogan's probably overtaken him now, but I don't think there was anyone kind of ahead of Rodri um, in like March or something, because it was kind of like, he doesn't score many, but all the goals he scores are, you know, game-changing goals. Um, So he's just a hugely, he, he's a colossal figure for, for City, and they've kind of worked out, you know, when to give him a partner and when not with Stones and, and Lewis and others coming into, into midfield, um, so yeah, he's he's never looked better.
1: I think that's a a good point that I've not really thought about until ten seconds ago. In that he's had so many fullbacks coming up next to him, he deserves credit as well for making that tactic work as much as those those fullbacks do and the the covering defenders because. He's spent so long being the only defensive midfielder. I think we forget just how clever of a footballer he is. He's he's just always in the right place, isn't he? And um, he knows when to play a short pass or get the you know get the ball forward. It, the, I Like you say, that Bayern Munich goal is a, a reminder of just how good a footballer is. I was obviously watching the uh, Aston Villa highlights in the build up to to the Chelsea game. It was a, a year ago, and that goal uh, last season. I know we're talking about this season, but is his sort of side foot into the bottom corner. He's a he's a good attacking player as well when when he gets the chance and um yeah I think we we'll, we will repeat this often but I don't think anyone will get better than than Haaland but if there are any uh, Premier League team of the years that do not include Rodri, then I I don't really rate who who has compiled them and uh, it's refreshing <laughs> to see Carragher and Neville both put Rodri in on their end of season reviews because He he doesn't often get the credit that that he deserves. Um, Final nomination we have is Jack Grealish. Now, I think he is also uh, someone who is now getting the credit he deserves. Like you say, since he's returned from the World Cup, he has started every big game for City. Was it a run of about 15 Premier League games in a row that he started? Or certainly including the big Champions League games. He looks like he's going to start a Champions League final. And he has been... Such a an improvement on last season, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, and I, I mean the the thing is with with Grealish as well is that he he said he he didn't leave Villa for money. He left for trophies, and you know he was so proud to get that first Premier League winners' medal um, last year mm. when he won it, and he and he didn't play that much, and on the bench for the final game of the season against Villa, kind of an un, unused substitute. Um, But this year he's just stepped up and if you'd said to anyone at the start of the season that grealish would keep folding out of the team um i'm not sure even grealish would have agreed Mm -hmm. with you um but he's done it and there's been very little argument to it because he's just been so good and so consistent and you know even um the madrid game at home he didn't get a goal or an assist but i thought it was one of his best ever games in the in the shirt He, he terrorized carvajal all night you know he drew a a really clumsy foul from modric you know you when you're making Luka Modric look, look clumsy, um you you're a hell of a player. And um since it, that period between January and March when it was Grealish and Mares who really kinda of pulled City through when they were struggling to um to keep in the race against Arsenal. It was Grealish and mares and then Grealish has just carried it through phenomenally and like you say, he should start against United and um Enter,
1: and he's he's added goals to his game. Not many, but he's added big goals. And we were talking about Rodri scoring in those big games. He's he scored at Old Trafford. Uh, he scored at Arsenal. He scored against Liverpool. Um, they're the only ones that are popping up for me at the moment. But he, he is he provided the assist at, at Chelsea. He, he's starting to add those sort of contributions that people expect from him. But he's not doing it in the way that he did at Aston Villa, which is where he was running from deep. He's adding what he learnt last season, which is holding the ball up, playing the pass back, and then he's picking the right time to arrive in the box or or play the right ball. And it probably helps that Erling Haaland is is also in the box to to occupy defenders. But um, that I mean, the love for for Jack Grealish this season from the City fans and and elsewhere is is it's good to see because he uh, he's taking a lot of stick, especially from from outside City. For for the way that his first season went, he always said trust the process. So did Guardiola, um, and then this season you can see what what that process is. And he's an example to players I think who who come to City. And you, we always say you might need a year to to learn how are you going to fit into the side, but you can definitely see where where Grealish's role is now. And no one is mentioning that he cost a hundred million anymore. Where every se- every game last season they were now it's like no he's a Manchester City player and he's popping up in, in the big games and you you also feel like he's got another moment or two this season to come as well so uh, no I think he is a, a very very uh, deserved to be in in this list and if you feel that um, anyone other than Erling Haaland uh, deserves this award uh, it may well be we we expect that Erling Haaland will get a landslide result but. If you think that Ake, Grealish or Rodri deserve a vote, then you can go to the Manchester Evening News website, click on Manchester City at the top. Um, it'll be in the majority of articles that we uh, vote in forms and, and lots of content around that for you to vote for your player of the season. Simon, does your vote go to Erling Haaland? You're on mute, but I'm going to assume you said yes.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, sorry. Uh, yes, does
1: yours? I think it's got to hasn't it but i think it might be worth doing a, a a debate of the player of the year after harland because i think that is a very very open field um including these uh these other three that we've spoken about so uh yes if you would like to vote for your player if you'd like to read all about city's trips to brighton and brentford and then looking ahead to the fa cup final it's uh uk. click on manchester city at the top and you'll find all of our content there on twitter It's uh, at Man City MEN on Facebook, Manchester Evening News dash Manchester City FC. Um, And we will be back uh, later in the week or next week after the uh, Brighton and Brentford games to uh, to round off the Premier League season and look ahead to uh, leg two of the uh, potential treble. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us.